Cultivate Simple, episode 56, Stew 5.0. I'd rather be a farmer. I'd rather work the land. I'd rather see the mountainsides. I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend Welcome to Cultivate Simple, an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. This is episode 55, and today we are talking about a whole bunch of things in stew 5.0. Yay. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Actually, it is Sunday. And it is cold. It is, uh, I think it's officially winter now. I hope so. Well, I mean, not officially, because that's not till, what, like December 22nd or something like that? Isn't that the... Yeah, something like that. I think it's that, I think it's then. But it has, it has finally turned, uh, cold, I think, for good here in Maine. Frigid. Um, we had a, we just actually got back from vacation, which we're going to be talking about a little bit, well, I say vacation, but... Our vacations are never vacations, Mm-mm. are they? Mm-mm. It seems like we we never, of course, you know, it's kind of against our personalities to go somewhere and sit and do nothing for a week. Um, yeah. In fact, I think that would kind of drive you nuts. Yep, certainly. Um, but what are you doing over there? Looking at crochet patterns. Hey, we're we're podcasting here. <laughs> we're recording something. Would you focus? I can tell when you're giving one word answers and not not uh not paying attention. Stop it. I'm gonna have to take your laptop away from you. Um So yeah, I had three different thoughts going there and I was trying to engage you in one of them, which mm-hmm. that you just kept passing by, but um I'm sitting. So cold weather. Yes, very cold. <laughs> <laughs> this week, uh, one of the lows is going to be seven degrees. So I'm ready for some snow. Yeah, we have this belief that if it's going to be cold, um, and for those of you in northern climes, if it's going to be cold, then there should be snow on the ground. That's right. It um, makes it brighter and just more interesting outside. Yeah, yeah. Plus, then you can do fun things like snowshoeing, which they say we're supposed to get three to five inches tonight. So. Uh, Pretty excited. We will see what happens. I just like I'm sure many of you saw the blog post about um, me changing the tires to the uh, one of our cars in the snow last week um, or two weeks ago. Um, always getting things done ahead of time is a good thing. Yep, that's kind of been the, our lesson this past uh, couple months. Is I mean, obviously that's true and it's kind of a truism that getting things done, you know, before they're needed or before their time um, is a good thing. But when you have, as I'm sure everyone can uh, sympathize with, when you have a thousand things going on at once, um, it's hard to get them done before they're needed. So, uh, yeah, I was changing the tires and I was just thinking on the way home tonight, we should, I, I really need to get the, and I hadn't checked the weather, and I was thinking, I really need to get the, the chains on the truck, on the plow truck, and on the tractor uh, before the, the snow starts flying, because it's so much easier to do 
when you're not doing it in the snow. Yeah. Um, and then I looked at the forecast and we're supposed to get three to five inches tonight. It's <laughs> like, well, there goes that. We <laughs> so. looked at the weather though yesterday and they weren't really calling for much of anything. So yeah. it's one of those things because you were like, I need to do that this week. So, well, I suppose you could have done it today, but today was kind of our last day off. Yeah. So. Our last day of vacation. Um, and like I said, we're going to talk about some of the things that we did on our air quote vacation um we always we always go and do things i think with some sort of a plan in mind and so therefore like i said it's just uh it's kind of hectic and wanting to do you know 10 different things so uh it's never really relaxing we always feel like we need to come home and relax get back to our normal routine in order to um I don't rested. think this trip was as bad, though. We did a good job of limiting the amount of social engagements. Because when we go back to Ohio, everybody wants us to come see them. Right. So, friends. And, and we want to go see people, and too. And we do want to go but... see people. But in the same respect, it's hard when you end up spending then every single moment visiting with someone. And this time we tried to focus on spending a lot of time with our nieces and nephews. So, we pretty much hung out with them. We visited, we went to your family's one day. We went over to another friend's house. Um, our friend who had come up here and stayed with us when he went bear hunting. So he wanted to give us some bear meat. So we went over there and visited with him and his family one night. He gave us some bear meat. and Then that's, oh, we went down to visit a friend who had a baby and Brian hasn't seen her baby. I saw her when I went back to Cincinnati and, uh, September, but Brian hadn't seen her yet, so we went down to visit that. She's a really good friend of ours, so went to visit her, and then the rest of the time was spent with nieces and nephews and my parents. So, um, yeah, the one of the nieces, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit because obviously I went hunting, that was one of the activities that I did. Um, it's one of the reasons we go back at Thanksgiving as opposed to at other times like Christmas. Um, which we did celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas together, mm-hmm. uh, in order because we're not going to be able to make it back, um, that quickly to Ohio. And Christmas is our day, uh, as far as Christmas Day is concerned. We carve that day out and just spend it together, don't do much, watch movies, um, just kind of, we do try to relax on that day. Mm-hmm. We usually end up doing some sort of work here or there, but um, we really try to carve out that day as a uh, just, you know, us kind of day. Um, we talked about that in our Simplifying the Holidays mm-hmm. podcast. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that one. But yeah, one of the main reasons we go back is because the gun season for deer in Ohio is the week after Thanksgiving. And uh, since venison is our main form of red meat, um, we've, we have to fill the freezer. So Yes, it feeds <laughs> and, us and the pets. And I, I tried to I tried to deer hunt in Maine this year. Um, but Maine has a lower population of deer. Um, and so I didn't get anything and plus I tried a different technique. I tried stalking, um, which is kind of moving through the woods, you know, quietly. Um, it's also new land because back in Ohio, 
my dad has been hunting this piece of property for since I was a kid. And so he knows really well the deer patterns, all of the tree stands are set up on the deer kind of alleys or walkways or paths or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call them. Um, and you've hunted there for four years now? Five years. This was my So fifth. you kind of know as well what to expect and what it's like. And up here it's just all new and we don't really, we haven't been able to get out in the woods a whole lot. And we've gone hiking a few times this summer, but... Right. So we, uh, that was definitely one of the reasons we went back and enjoyed that. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that tonight. But one of the the neat things was, as Susie mentioned, spending time with our nieces. Um, and my, nephew. Well, and nephew, yes. Um, <laughs> it's always. Our poor lonely nephew. We always say always nieces and nephew. Always lumped in with yeah. the, nephew, the nieces. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> we should uh, just say the kids. We say the kids, the kids around usually, us. usually, you know. Um, <laughs> Our 10-year-old niece, Heidi, she actually went and took uh, a hunter safety course with your dad, yep. which that's what you guys did when you were kids, wasn't yeah. it? You guys always went and took uh, the hunter safety course with your dad, and your dad's a huge hunter and always has been, and, yep. um, and so is your grandpa. Um, and so Heidi went and took the course, and she passed with like a 94 Four, or something. Um, did really well on it. She's 10, so, uh, but that's about the age that you guys started too, right? I think 10 is the age in Ohio okay. that you can get your hunting license, maybe. Um, and then we decided that uh, Susie's dad and I decided we wanted to take her out hunting. And he started me when, when he finally talked me into going hunting uh, five years ago. It was, uh, he said, well, let's just go squirrel hunting because, you know, it's, it's kind of a low, uh, low commitment, high yeah. probability of seeing something. Yeah. Um, plus you just get out. The, the thing that I think I like about hunting the most is the observation of it. Just getting out in the woods and sitting quietly. And when the woods return to their natural state, when you hike through, you're not really seeing the, the woods. Um, because you're making so much noise and, you know, you're probably talking to someone else, or even if you're by yourself, you're making so much noise that the natural state of things goes away. Um, you know, the animals hide, the birds go quiet. Uh, so it's, it's great when you're hunting and you're still hunting, especially to give that half hour, 45 minutes for the woods to return to their natural state and then to observe things that happen. And those observations are, I think, one of the most fun things about hunting. Um, And through that observation, you do learn about the animals and therefore how to be a better hunter of those animals. Because of course, you know, as my father-in-law and I joke, when you're squirrel hunting, you don't see any squirrel, but there are deer everywhere. And then when you're deer hunting, you don't see any deer, but the squirrel, you can't, you know, you can beat them off with a stick. Um, And sometimes you almost have to. So, I think that was, Heidi found that out too when we took her hunting because yeah. we decided to take her squirrel hunting um, because that's, it. it's actually probably a, a more difficult form of hunting because it's a smaller target that you have to hit, but typically there are more targets of opportunity um, since there are more squirrel in the woods than, than other animals. And uh, so your dad took her down and... Um, he just, I think that, like I said before about observation and about seeing the woods, um, that was the first time that 
you know, she'd ever gone into the woods and sat quietly. Yeah. And so, you know, they got to see some squirrel, got to see some deer, um, and, you know, birds everywhere and so on. And she just really enjoyed it. She had a great time. Mm -hmm. And I figured she would too. She's, unlike our older niece, um, who's 12, um, who, you know, whenever I'm cleaning a squirrel or, uh, was doing anything animal related, <laughs> she'd always be like, ooh, you know, I don't want to see that. That's gross. But <laughs> Heidi was always interested in it and would come running over and wanted to see it. Um, but so she she shot at one squirrel. She missed um, and then said, oh, you know, it moved right before I shot at it. <laughs> but uh, I just think she needs a little more time, a little more practice uh, with the rifle in order to get comfortable with it and yep. in order to really dial in and i recommended even uh we did the show a while ago and i talked about the apple seed project and i recommended to your dad that we take her uh to one of the apple seed shoots next year um and i think because i think that would be great for her and and she would learn a lot through that and get a lot more confidence that way so um hunting is one of those great things to teach kids i mean it teaches so many skills and not only skills but safety i mean firearm safety but safety in general um yeah also like be aware of your surroundings and right. situational awareness which most adults don't even have nowadays no and we talk about that you know how just being observant of your surroundings and uh th that's such a <laughs> it seems like such a basic skill it seems like one of those common sense things but yeah not a lot of people not a lot of people have that anymore. Um, but also just the respect for nature. Um, that, that's kind of the one of the weird paradoxes of hunting and being a hunter is that a, most hunters are in some respect conservationists. Um, I very much am. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why. Well, yeah, because you want to preserve one of the hobbies and right. if you didn't like going out and being in nature just sitting there and enjoying nature you'd just go buy your meat at the grocery store right. because that's way easier and cheaper and mm -hmm. faster and pretty much in every way yeah um and that's with deer with you know squirrel with all those things and you see how also like you said you want to preserve your hobby but um you see how you can really influence an ecosystem, you know, and even when I hunted your dad's woods, I would always try to go to different sections. Like if I went down four or five times throughout the season to go squirrel hunting, I would always hunt different sections of the woods so as to not, you know, take too many squirrels out of one part of the woods, mm -hmm. um, try to spread that around. And it's, I've mentioned it before, I think in the hunting podcast way, one of the first podcasts we did, that um, a few years ago I heard one of the Department of Natural Resources officers saying that um, the sustainable limit of deer in Ohio is 250,000 deer. And the estimates for that year were that there were 750,000. Um, and every year about 250,000 deer are... Um, harvested or uh are hunted um throughout ohio so that mm -hmm. still leaves double the number that can be supported now like i said those numbers are a few years old um but you know hunters are doing a good work by taking some of those deer out because 
especially in Ohio, they're just completely overpopulated. Um, and then, therefore, you know, during the winter, you have deer that are starving and dying of starvation because there's just not enough food for them. Um, there's enough food for them to breed and for them to uh, overpopulate right. because during of the, the corn and because yeah. of soybeans in, in the fields, but those things don't last throughout the winter. And then that natural forage just isn't there. Um, so, like I said, hunters are kind of conversation con- conservationalists as well, um, helping becoming the predators since all of the natural predators have been, you know, removed um, in past years, coyotes and those types of things. And those those things are coming back, and that balance is coming back. Um, it's never going to be back in the cities, though. I mean, right? It's kind of ridiculous sometimes. I remember when we lived back in Cincinnati. I would see deer walking through the parking lot at the grocery store. I mean, it's just yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. As we move in on their territory, they, mm-hmm. you know, have nowhere to go but to right. stick around. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that was hunting, Heidi hide, hunting. Um, and it's just a good way to provide sustainable meat for your family. Yeah. You know, and she's grown up in that culture because we've always had, I've always grown up eating food, you know, meat that my dad hunted and um, other meat from local farms. Um, It's just one of those things. She's gotten used to it, so Mm -hmm. it's kind of natural when you grow up in that environment. It's kind of weird, I think, when you don't, and some people have a hard time with it who haven't. Because they think somehow grocery store meat is more um, sustainable or better or, you know. Well, it's like that one like comment that. that we read, uh, you know, that was it was going around kind of the internet memes. And it said, why would you, why would you go out and hunt for your meat when you can just go get it at the store? Yeah. You yeah. know, why wouldn't you get it at the store like everyone else? Um, yeah, people just, I don't know, just don't have an appreciation for it. Um, and some people asked us too about the uh, processing, the process of processing. Yeah, and, um, uh, we had a couple commenters because I, I commented about it on, or I wrote a post about it on the blog on this past Wednesday, and there were lots of commenters that talked about eating venison a couple times in their life, or sometimes growing up because they had a grandpa or an uncle or somebody that hunted. And um, I forget who it was. Do you have her name? No, I don't. Someone commented and said that she always remembers it being gamey and didn't like it. So she was wondering how, um, she said, but I've heard there are ways of cooking it and dealing with it that make it not that way. Um, And I think like anything else, a lot of it has to do with the processing. Because game birds and stuff, you uh, you can hang them to make them to enhance their natural gamey flavor a little bit um, or not. Like the turkey that we, the wild turkey that we that you got and we ate, we plucked and put it in the fridge right away, you know, cut it up and then ate it. But you can hang them for um, a time to kind of enhance the gaminess. So, and you can do that with deer as well. So maybe whoever she was... It was Heidi. It was Heidi. Whoever Heidi, whoever processed or hunted the deer that she ate... Probably don't mind all the jingling in the background. That's the dog. 
She likes to make a lot of... Her collar must be itching her neck, so... That's her collar with her tags. We take it off of her at night, so the rest she wakes us up in the middle of the night. But Problem fixed. Anyways, that, I mean, hanging the deer enhances the flavor, some people think, because some people right. like that kind of gamey flavor. We've always had ours, taken ours in and had them processed right away and try to keep them at a cool temperature to um, make the flavor a little more like beef, mm-hmm. like the beef you get in the grocery store. Yeah. You can get aged beef that's been aged for a long time. And that tastes different than the kind of beef that you normally get in the yeah, grocery store. Yeah, the butcher store, shop so. that we actually take our deer to to be processed, um, they have, their one of their slogans is, home of the 30-day aged beef. So, yeah. yeah. Or the 30-day aged steak. And that's the way beef always used to be. But, you know, in our race towards maximizing profits, you know, why hang it for 30 days? You might as well hang it for one day and then process it or just for a couple days because every day that it's hanging is money that you're just paying to keep it cool and money that you're not making so right um that's why aged dry aged meat or the meat that's aged a lot longer costs a lot more yeah Susie's dad um the place that they used to take their meat to be processed he actually stopped going there because when uh, they they would process most of the meat and give you the way that they do it. Let me take a step back. The way that they process the meat typically is that they uh, make all of the different cuts, uh, roasts, steaks, the tenderloins, the back straps, and then they take all of the rest or the leftovers and they grind it up into burger. Uh, Susie's dad used to take it um, to another place and they would give you all of those cuts, but then the burger they would just kind of give you out of a hopper. They would estimate, you know, okay, well, you had about 30 pounds of burger. And so they would just give you 30 pounds of burger out of the the burger bin, which was kind of a mix of everybody's deer. Right. And we remember... Uh, yeah, the last time we went there, we got one batch, and it was pretty much rancid meat. It was yeah. really, really bad. The dogs didn't even want to eat it. It was yeah. so bad. Um, so after that, we quit taking it there. I mean, you know, and you know how you process your deer and you want right. to make sure it's kept really sanitary and really clean mm-hmm. as far as field dressing and that kind of stuff. So you want to get your deer because you've taken the time and effort to do it in the way you deem as proper. And you mm-hmm. don't want to be getting someone else who maybe gut shot their deer or, right. you know, did something else that can give the meat an off flavor or something like that. So Right. And this week was a good example of how or like the things to look out for because the uh the second day it ended up getting up to 50 degrees and the third day on wednesday which um i was done by then but it ended up getting up to 60 degrees and when it's that warm uh if you let the deer sit for any amount of time it's going to start to get that gamey flavor um and there are some guys that will even in those types of temperatures that'll hang it for two or three days before uh, processing it themselves or taking it to a processor. Um, typically what we do is as soon as, well, and really the first step to having non-gamey meat is to make a good shot. Um, right. And to choose your, you know, what deer you're going to shoot. Um, I don't hunt for trophies. Uh, there are some people that do, and I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that necessarily um i just 
don't, that's not my thing. I'm out there to hunt for meat. And so, like I said, the first thing is making a good shot because if you, uh, if you make a really clean shot through, and typically what you're shooting for is there's a, an 11 inch, uh, target area in the chest that, um, you want to hit the lungs or the heart, uh, because that puts the deer down right away. Uh, you know, it doesn't suffer as much. There's, uh, there's not a lot of flailing around or anything like that. It just goes down and it's down and it's done. Um, and if you hit those spots and then there's less stress on the animal, um, because it dies more quickly then you know, we've read different things and it was the same thing when we were slaughtering our pigs that when, mm-hmm. uh, when you, when you shoot them to, uh, to kill them, you want it to be quick because if they tense up and they run around and, you know, all that kind of thing, then what is it that gets released into their lactic muscles? Lactic acid. Lac- lactic acid, um, which can, it, uh, detract from the flavor of the meat. And so, it, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with, with venison. Um, so making a good shot and like Susie mentioned, uh, gut shooting, there are, you know, some people that aren't good shots or that, um, take shots that they shouldn't be taking. Which will... is mostly it because they yeah. just get excited and don't want to wait for the shot that is right. going to. Or don't have a good shot, but don't want to. Don't want to the... pass up. Yeah. Um, getting something. You can, Which that's, you know, just bad sportsmanship in my right. mind, but, yep. you know, whatever. I agree. Um, but they can shoot it through the the stomach or intestine area, um, which, first of all, doesn't kill the deer quickly because they there's not a lot of major blood vessels down through there um, unless you get it through the liver, which, you know, even so. But what that also does is that opens up the stomach or the intestines, which then floods the inside of uh, the deer with, you know, all the bad stuff that's contained in those things. Um, And it can cause the the meat to uh, have that gamey flavor or even to spoil um, a lot more quickly, especially if it's warm. So that combined with warmth is just a, a really bad combination. So usually what we try to do is as soon as we shoot the deer and we try to make a good shot, obviously, um, we we field dress the deer, which is removing all of the internal organs. And uh, usually uh, Susie's dad and I will grab a stick uh, because when you do field dress the deer, you cut up through its uh, sternum and open up its rib cage. And so we'll take a stick and stick it in there to open it up and to expose it to as much air as possible and get it cooled down as quickly as possible. Then we drag it out of the woods and... Um, Today or, or this this uh, hunting season, Monday night was a uh, a cool night. It was about thirty two degrees, which is perfect. Um, in fact, it got a little bit below. I think it got down to twenty eight because mm-hmm. in the morning the deer were frozen pretty much solid, which you don't um, necessarily want, right? Because um, they, you know, you want them to just be cool enough, but not necessarily right. frozen. But we. We got the deer late. I actually shot two on Monday and Susie's dad shot one. Um, and so we, we got them in a little bit late and the processor was going to be closed. So we hung them from the side of the cabin uh, overnight and then I took them in in the morning. Um, but with that cool temperature, we weren't as concerned as if it would have been the next night. Um, and then 
when you take them into the processor, they'll ask you typically what cuts of meat that you want or how you want it processed. If you want anything special done to it, uh, like, you know, hot dogs being made or jerky or, um, uh, summer sausage, those types of things. And you can order those types of things. Or we normally get um, what our processor calls the house cuts, which are what I mentioned before, the tenderloins, the backstrap, steaks, roasts, and then burger out of the rest of it. Um, and uh, then they take it, and our processor charges, I believe... It's um, $85. Yeah, $85 per deer, and that's $75 for the processing and $15 for skinning. Um, so that's, that's pretty much the, the, the process and how not to have gamey meat is just to a, make a good shot and B to get it field dressed, get it out of the woods and get it into the processor as quickly as possible. Usually what they find a good processor, a yeah, small and local that's, butcher yeah. shop. We used to, the place we, my parents always took theirs when I was a kid was really good. But then after we had that experience, when they started doing they started cheapening. The packaging wasn't they very actually, good. They got bought out by another yeah. owner, and he started and messing up And then it just the... wasn't good. So then my dad asked around and heard about this place, and so we started taking our deer there, and we've been super happy with them. And we've even had friends who hunt ask us because they know we're happy with our processor, and they're not quite as happy with theirs. Mm-hmm. So ask around to people that hunt and see how much they like it. And I mean, deer are easy enough to process yourself as well. I mean, they're not a, a huge, huge animal. We have friends that process their own. If you want to do that, you know, you can probably find someone who can teach you. It's slightly inconvenient for us since we're not at our, since we're traveling and we're not in our normal place of residence and don't have all of our stuff with us. If we get um, we one would here, like in, to do it ourselves. Yeah, if we get one here in Maine next year, we'll probably try to, we'll take a crack at it ourselves because it isn't, I mean, it's... It's very, but that goes back to squirrel hunting and why you should squirrel hunt. Um, because squirrel hunting is good preparation, and this is why I like the Ohio hunting seasons. Uh, squirrel hunting is good preparation for for deer hunting because you're getting out in the woods, you're looking for sign, you're finding trails, you're you know seeing where the deer are, you're getting used to. Uh, being in the woods and seeing things, seeing movement, and you're practicing your shooting, and you're practicing on a very small target. Because when we squirrel hunt, we use 22s. A lot of people use shotguns, um, which is fine if that's what you want to do. But I like to use a 22 because it's much more precise. Um, you have to make a really good shot, uh, and you know it's just a lot more fun. Plus, when you're not picking. <laughs> Yeah, you're not picking pellets out of your shot teeth here. when you. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you decide to eat the squirrel. But then also cleaning a uh, a squirrel is you know similar, obviously on a completely different scale. Um, but is pretty much cleaning any animal is the same. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes they have wings, sometimes legs. Right. Um, because whenever we clean squirrel, we. We do it in uh, a little bit different order, but we, we, we'll skin them and then we'll, um, what, what's that called when you? Eviscerate. Eviscerate, yeah. I knew there was a, an actual word instead of taking the guts out. Field dressing. Field dressing, yeah. Um, when you eviscerate them, uh, you do it, the way that we clean squirrels is after we skin them. In a deer, you field dress them, you eviscerate them right there, you know, in the woods as soon as you're done, as soon as you shoot it, and then 
uh, later on you take the skin off and then, you know, make your, your different butchering cuts. So, because right, at that point, the skin protects all of the meat because it's a mm-hmm. lot more meat. I mean, the squirrels, you just kind of chuck in some salty water and then cook them later if you're going to cook them. Or mm-hmm. we don't always, always skin them, we sometimes just feed them to the dogs right. as natural prey food. But, um, so that's yeah. So if you, if you want non gamey venison, uh, Follow those, those yeah, because we pretty and... much cook ours just like regular beef. I mean, we eat the steaks and the tenderloins. I usually just sear those, you know, medium rare, and that's how we eat them. So I don't find it to be, you know, we eat the roast just like I'd cook a beef roast. Um, a lot of times I'll put juniper in because that's kind of your traditional herb, spice, whatever you want to call it, to go with to go with venison. But yeah, it's pretty much. All in the processing. And the older, like an old... And it depends on what the deer eat, too. Um, as to what, I think... The deer in Ohio are mostly corn-fed. Um, mm-hmm. The deer in some other places are a lot of acorn and other stuff. And they're going to have a different flavor than ones that are corn-fed. So, that makes a bit of a difference as well. And the age of the deer also does. But... If if Susie sounds weird during this podcast because I'm watching the audio levels and they keep going up and down and up oh, and down sorry. and up and down because she's she's actually crocheting while <laughs> while we're recording this. So I that, probably need to move my microphone this way. This is this is her new well it's because you're looking down and away. Probably. Um this is her new obsession is crocheting. Uh you've knitted in the past, but you just took up crocheting. Actually what? I've crocheted in the past too. Have you? Yeah, one oh, of your just, scarves that I made you is crocheted. I've always done both, but you just re relearned it a little bit. I just I know you're relearned re-watching. a little bit. Yeah, I've watched the videos. It's been a long time since a couple years ago I did a scarf, but uh, I haven't done anything other than a couple simple stitches in many many years. I crocheted a lot when I was a kid. So why did you decide to take it up now again? Because I wanted a scarf for myself, and I need hats and stuff. I need some winter. Warmies. Don't you know that you can buy those things at the store? I can, but I'd rather make them myself. Because <laughs> they're much cheaper, and then you can... Uh, well, they're not really cheaper than buying the crap at Walmart, but... It's much more fun to do it yourself. So now you're looking around the microphone pop filter and still going <laughs> off microphone, even though you put it in front of you. So, uh, yeah. Sorry about the terrible quality, but... Uh, Somebody's trying to multitask, which is usually <laughs> when things end up getting burnt. Um, so what are some of the things that you've you've been crocheting? Um, I made a scarf for myself, which I talked about on the blog, on the pod, on the podcast, on the blog. Um, I made a uh, orange wool uh, vest kind of thing for Lucy for her to wear up here around the property during hunting season because hunting season is really long here in Maine. I'm going to make one for Tara too. Just in case they run into the woods and happen to be spotted by one of those dumb hunters that will shoot at what they think is a deer from and anything that moves. way too far away. Yeah. Um, I made uh, our niece Heidi who wanted to, you know took up hunting. I got some really nice orange, really bright orange wool from a local farm here in Maine so I made her a little hat with ear flaps on it to wear hunting and she was super excited about that um i'm getting ready i bought some really great 
Icelandic uh, loopy yarn to make myself a big thick hat because I don't have a really warm winter hat. Mine's pretty light. So I usually wear two hats or a hat and a hood, like a hooded sweatshirt and pull up my hood. So I'm going to make myself a nice warm woolly hat. And then I've got a couple people who want me to make them hats too. So, And you've done knitting in the past, but this is... Uh, now you're really getting into crocheting and looking at crocheting patterns for sweaters and hats and yeah, I need everything a couple else. sweaters and so I just like crocheting. A what's lot right now. what's the difference between crocheting and knitting, and why why do you prefer crocheting right now? I don't know. I just like it. I've always liked to crochet. I've probably always crocheted more than knitting. I don't mind knitting, but I like the I, don't know, I like all the different stitches and stuff that you can do with crocheting. So, I like them both. But I think crocheting might be, I don't know if it's easier, because it's, my mom knits a lot, and she can knit really complex things, and she just says crocheting is too difficult for her, so. And I think crocheting is almost easier than knitting, so I think it just depends on. It's just a preference. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I've knitted before. Yeah, you have. I taught you how to knit, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't, I'd need a whole another course on how to do it because I just did it for that one project. And, right. Um, and that, you know, but that that was a homemade gift that, mm-hmm. that I It made. was an afghan for our niece's uh, doll bed. Oh, that's right. To match, I made them flannel sheets for their doll bed one year. And then I made little afghans to go with it. And you, you made one of the afghans, right? And I made one of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it went. Yeah, um, this Christmas we actually exchanged gifts already with Susie's family, and right. and we always do kind of a homemade Christmas with them. It was it started out as an exclusive homemade Christmas, and we talked about that on the yeah. uh, Simplifying the Holidays podcast. Um, but now it's just kind of a understood thing that uh, some of the gifts will be homemade, and so this year we received a few homemade gifts. Um, I received a painting from my niece, Heidi, Yeah, who painted a picture from one of the children's calendars. Um, she entered it in the fair and got a blue ribbon, I think. So she has the little fair thing on the back. Um, so I'll have to hang that upstairs in one of the bedrooms. And our two nieces, uh, the, the 12-year-old and 10-year-old, um, your mom is teaching them how to sew on mm-hmm. sewing machines. And so they made little bags for... Uh, Everyone, y- your yeah. dad and I, and for um, they made me oh, they one. They made you one, yeah, yeah, too, and and your sister mm-hmm. and and um, Oren, their and brother, Oren, their niece or our nephew. Um, so that was kind of cool mm-hmm. that they're. I think they're enjoying learning how to sew. And, yeah, they are. They're moving on. I think they're making their sister uh, a vest. Next is the next project. So, and my mom's gonna make Heidi a few hunting clothes. So. Yeah, she's going to make her a hunter orange vest and I think um, some hunter orange pants. Mm. That's a good, it's a good skill to have, you know. Yeah, it is. It's one of those sort of... I'm glad I know how to sew because I can do a lot of stuff. And learning how to sew, I always, I've always done everything kind of by, without rules (laughs) or without (laughs) parameters. Like whenever I played piano, I preferred to 
play you know if i could hear a song i could figure out how to play it myself without needing sheet music Mm -hmm. and i've always sewn that way too i never really use patterns i prefer to just look at things and figure out how they're made and then just sit down and come up with my own patterns myself so i've always been kind of i'm glad i am that way because some people can't sew without patterns Mm -hmm. i prefer to my mind works a little more creatively that way so yeah, it's fun. It's a good, definitely a good skill to have. So part of the uh, festivities back at your parents' house were a wild game dinner, um, yeah, kind of an fun. impromptu wild yeah. game dinner. Uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, our our friend that came up and stayed with us, John, uh, when he stayed with us, he actually came up to come bear hunting in Maine, and uh, and he ended up getting one, and so he had some bear meat that he wanted to give us, and we gave mm-hmm. him some of our pork, because um, he's big into, like, smoking, smoking and, and kind of stuff, yeah. uh, grilling, and uh, actually, didn't he start a blog about grilling? I don't know. I thought he had. Maybe he just posted on Facebook, though. At any rate, um, he was pretty excited about the pork that we gave him, and mm-hmm. he wanted to give us some bear, so he gave us some uh, a steak, some burger... Um, and some stew meat. And some stew meat. And so we cooked up the steak um, for the wild game dinner. And of course, we had venison uh, right. because that's wild game, some fresh venison that um, from one of your dad's deer. And then uh, the day that we took Heidi out squirrel hunting, um, I got a couple squirrel. And so we, we cooked those up as well. Um, the bear, you didn't really do anything special to that, did no, you? You I just, just cooked, cooked it up cooked like it. a steak. Yep. Um, and then the same thing with the venison, uh, because we had the venison backstraps. Right? I cooked the bear well done because it has to be it has to be done well mm-hmm. done. And what did you in think? In case you don't know, bear is this really? It's a it can transmit trichinosis. That's probably pretty much one of the only places you can actually get it nowadays. But so yeah. Cook your bear meat well, in case you ever end up with some bear meat. But and what did you think of the bear meat? It was good. I thought it was pretty similar to yeah to beef. Yeah, it had a little bit more of a taste to it, but yep. um, but the the I texture think it would be was really good in stew because it has a lot of texture. Yeah, that's the thing that I kind of liked about it. I like food with texture. Um, and then the squirrel I cooked uh in a white wine sauce, kind of for gravy. You just chuck it in the I always portion them out like a rabbit, kind of. Although I usually cut the two back legs off and then leave the front and the back whole. Brown up some onions and some mushrooms. Put it all in a pan, throw some white wine in there, and then I like to cook it for an hour or two so it's really tender. Braise it. That's how my grandma kind of always did it. She did it the old-fashioned way where you dredge them in flour, put them in a, like a roasting pan, put some liquid in there and then cook them in the oven for an hour or two. We always had big squirrel dinners and game dinners when I was growing up since I grew up in a family of hunters. So, yeah. And then we had the venison backstrap, which... Which we just cooked like a steak. Yeah. So, and a cast iron skillet. Because those are, those are pretty tasty. Those are really good. Um, and then on top of that, or for the top of that, you had mushrooms and... and onions. Onions in a kind sauteed. of a... Sautéed. in a... Kind of a gravy, or you thicken that up a little bit and uh, to make it sort of a sauce. Yeah. Kind of a... I just cook the onions a lot and they kind of start to break down. Yeah. So. 
So yeah, it was pretty good. It was good. Wild game dinner. The kids liked it. Even our four-year-old niece liked the bear. Yeah. So. Did you try any of the squirrel? Yeah, she did. Yeah. She said it was good. Yeah. Squirrel, if you've never eaten it, is kind of like, um, it's almost like a dark meat chicken with, uh, with just a little bit more taste. It, it doesn't necessarily taste like chicken. It has sort of the texture and the look and the... Uh, right, the yeah. feel of dark meat chicken, but it it definitely has um, sort of a unique flavor to it. So, I bet if you put it in a soup, nobody would be able to tell yeah. it from chicken. Though your average person wouldn't be able to if they didn't know it was squirrel. Yep, it tastes actually a lot like our free range birds here, because a traditionally raised chicken has a lot more flavor than a store chicken. So mm-hmm. it tastes a little bit more like a free ranged animal. And then, let's see, we came back from Ohio, and uh, which, you know, is just a, a bear it's of a trip. It's just a long trip. Some days it's really bad. There was, the way out was worse. It took us like 15 hours on the way out because of traffic. We traveled on Thanksgiving Day, um, which last year wasn't too bad. But this year, I think because it came on the same day as Hanukkah, the first day of Hanukkah, it was well, just... and probably because of the storm that came through. Right. A lot people of people postponed their travel. Because like we had we to did. postpone ours because of yeah. this huge storm that came across the Midwest and the Northeast. So we were planning on going out Tuesday, and then we didn't go until Thursday. So, yeah, I think that did affect it. Mm-hmm. Um, and during our trip out, uh, we wanted to mention our book of the week. Which is, um, as we, we've talked about before, how we always listen to audiobooks in the car when we're traveling. And we listen to, what's it called? Well, we listen to Lost on a Mountain, Maine. Mm-hmm. And it's just a short book. It was like, what, two hours, two and a half hours? Yeah. Um, it's a kid's book. And it's a true story. Happened back in the 40s. Uh, it was really good. We enjoyed it. Yeah. Which we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's actually a, a, a really neat story. Um, yeah. And your kid's Kids would probably love it. I mean, it's a kid's book. Right. And our neighbor, BJ, said that it's pretty much required reading for kids in the school systems here in Maine. And she really liked it. So we got a copy for our nieces and nephews for Christmas. And then we also listened to the audiobook um, from Bill Bryson, The Life and Times of the Thunderbolt Kid, a memoir, um, which if you... Reading Bill's books is good. I mean, you you laugh out loud. The um, yeah. another one of his books that we really love, which we'll put a link to in the show notes, is called The Walk in the Woods. Um, yeah, which is just How about him hiking the Appalachian Trail. It, it's a fast read. Uh, yeah, it's basically if somebody who's never hiked before goes and decides to hike the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, is what it boils down to, and just and and goes along with somebody who does not like to hike or has never hiked before. <laughs> um, absolutely hilarious and it's a it's a really quick read just a if you need something to to throw into your reading list just as mm-hmm. that's fun and um uh a walk in the woods is hilarious um the life and times of thunderbolt kid is basically bill's stories of growing up and it is pretty funny especially because the audiobook version it's actually him reading it so i think that he adds you know inflection where it needs to be and yeah you know kind of the the sarcastic tone where it needs to be because it's him telling his life story um or his childhood story so that's hilarious there were really many times the time yeah many times that we were uh laughing hysterically um 
we have we definitely slap our knees you know that yeah. the old phrase knee slapping humor we yeah. we do slap our knees when something's <laughs> super funny and we were slapping our knees quite often so we'll put a link to all those in uh in the show notes if you go to uh cultivatesimple.com or to chiotsrun.com you can see links to those and also in the sidebar you can see an easy way to donate to the podcast and to help us pay the bills you can either do that through a monthly donation or a one-time donation um and we encourage you to make that one of your christmas presents request to your significant other that a donation be made to the podcast in your name instead of a, you know, knickknack that's going to sit around and do nothing for you. So finally, um, we had some holiday activities today. Um, oh, yeah. We like to do holiday-y kind of things um, this time of year when we were, when we lived back in Ohio. About, I don't know, 20 minutes from our house, there was the historic village of Zor, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. If you are in Ohio or ever in the area, the first, I think it's the first weekend of December. Yeah, I think so. Um, it was this, this weekend they have, uh, the Christmas, Christmas and Zor, which we used to go to. That was kind of our holiday thing where they, everybody decorates up their houses and a couple of the different houses every year in the historic village are open. And it's different houses every year. So every year when you go, you get to see different houses in the village and tour them. And they have a little craft fair. And it's just really great fun to help you get in the holiday spirit and to be outside and to do something really Christmassy and kind of fun. Um, this year, we were going to go to the Kingwood Center in Mansfield. They do light, like a light celebration. They decorate the gardens for Christmas with lots of lights and they decorate up the mansion, but then they just happened to be having their members party the afternoon and evening. We had scheduled to go the only one, the only time we could go. So unfortunately we didn't get to do that, mm -hmm. but maybe next year we can do it. Cause that sounds like a lot of fun. And today was, uh, our neighbor BJ that we always talk about. Um, she is a, a bell ringer. She's in a, is that a bell choir? Is yeah. A, yeah, bell choir. I think that's what um, called. And so... The Penobscot Bay Ringers, right? Yeah. Yep. And so she d had a uh, concert at the... Uh, Knox Museum. Knox Museum. Montpelier. Uh, here in Maine. And so we went and, and listened to that. And it was really cool. Um, and little known fact, I used to be a bell ringer. <laughs> so there you go. Her you probably I. don't have any pictures of this. I don't think I have anything to prove it, but I just don't you don't strike me as the uh musical besides playing air guitar. Oh, I can play a mean air guitar. <laughs> I can rip a solo like you wouldn't believe. Um I think I've seen video of you playing a cardboard guitar. Oh yeah, yeah. When you were in Bon Jovi. Junior high? Yeah. Is that junior high? Living you on a and prayer. your cousin Dan or yep. a friend? No, that was Dan. Well, yeah, different ones. We played a Multiple lot of we played a lot of cardboard guitar. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I was a bell ringer. Um, yeah, I don't know how I got suckered. I mean, how I got talked into that. But um, how long did you play? For like a year. Huh. Yeah, I don't think that the director really liked me very much because uh, I didn't know how to read music, and so she had to highlight when. You know, she had to highlight my notes for me. 
Um, so I knew when to play. So you don't know how to read music? No, no, not really. I, I. You can read guitar though, because you can play the guitar. Well, yeah, but that's like chords, like tabs. So that's easy enough. Um, because those are just letters, and letters go with a certain. I think learning how to read music should be a class in school. Everybody should learn how to do it. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, I know how. I'm to. sure I don't anymore. Do it anymore, it's, but you know, I mean, I, I would know kind of what. Yeah, I would just highlight the times I needed to ring the bell, mm-hmm. and she would point at you, and she would sometimes have to point at me. Um, <laughs> but it was funny because the the lady that was beside BJ today, because one of the things that our director hated was counting out loud. Oh. And did you notice that lady beside BJ? See, I did because that was one of the things that I started out doing. And the director's like, I don't care if you have to count, but don't count out loud or don't, you know, mouth the, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three. So it was just, it took me back to my, my ringing days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we went to, to see the Knox Museum, which was uh, decorated up for Christmas and to, um, to see BJ and her her concert, which was a lot of fun. And yeah, it's just fun to get out into the community and to see different things. A lot of times before Christmas night uh, or Christmas Eve, we'll uh, make hot chocolate and drive around and look at lights. That yeah. that used to be one of our traditions, one of the things we would do for fun. I like doing that. Um, which, I don't know, up here in Maine, the houses are pretty spread out, so we might be driving long distances to see lights. <laughs> I was thinking we should look up and see if there's a light display somewhere that we could go see. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sure there is. Or some sort of a garden. Maybe the Booth Bay Botanical Gardens decorates up for light with lights. I don't know. Check your local listings. Yes, we'll have to. So that's pretty much the show for this week. We just had a few things we wanted to discuss and talk about um, and cover. So therefore, we've done it. Uh, We're excited to be back in Maine. We're excited to be back at home. There's, like we said, you know, it's good to go on vacation, but in the same way, um, it seems better when you come back home. (laughs) At least for us. We like our routines. So... We're just homebodies sometimes. We are. It's good to be at home. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountainsides I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now Somehow it all depends If I could fly i
I'd rather see my hometown. I'd rather hold my wife. I'd rather never question things. That's the story of my life. I'd rather not be crying. I'd rather just be whole. Rather brave the cleansing fire. I'd rather feed my soul. If I could fly away from me, to ride this wind above the tree. I'm crying out to you. I'm ready to be finished here. I'm ready for this season to be If I could fly away from me to ride this wind above the trees, go to Face the longing.